Are you looking for a new job? Are you hiring but can't find diverse, talented candidates? Then look no further because we're here to help you out. Head on over to revisionpath.com forward slash jobs where you can browse job listings, post your own job listings, and sign up for email updates when new job listings are posted. This week on the job board, Glean is looking for a product designer in Manhattan in New York City. Posting to our job board starts at just $99, way less than many other design job boards. And for an additional fee, you can have your listing advertised here on the podcast and reach tens of thousands of listeners. Make sure to head over to revisionpath.com forward slash jobs for more information on these listings and others. Get started with us and expand your job search or recruiting efforts today. Revisionpath.com forward slash jobs. You're listening to the Revision Path Podcast, a weekly showcase of the world's black graphic designers, web designers, and web developers. Through in-depth interviews, you'll learn about their work, their goals, and what inspires them as creative individuals. Here's your host, Maurice Cherry. Hello, everybody, and welcome to Revision Path. Thank you so much for tuning in. I'm your host, Maurice Cherry. Now, for the past few weeks, you've heard me talk about the 10th Collective. You're going to hear me keep talking about the 10th Collective because I really want people to sign up for it. It's this great new initiative that we've got going with State of Black Design. And we started this to pair black designers with companies that are looking to hire black designers. Both me and Omari, who runs State of Black Design, get hit up by companies all the time asking, where are the black designers? We've got these postings. We're trying to get them out to black designers. But on the same vein, we also have black designers who are looking for work. So the 10th Collective is our way of putting y'all together so you can have these conversations. So if you're a black designer, you can find your next opportunity. If you're a company looking to hire, here they are. (laughs) Um, If you are a black designer, you're listening to this and you're not a part, it's free to join. All you have to do is just fill out a really short profile and you're all set. You'll only get contacted by companies when they're ready to talk to you. And you can hide your profile from companies or remain completely anonymous. The 10th Collective is meant to be a resource for you, whether you're looking for your next opportunity or not. And it's a great asset to have in your back pocket for your career. Head over to the 10th Collective.com to join, or you can check out the link in the show notes. This episode of Revision Path is also brought to you by Hover. Building your online brand has never been more important, and that begins with your domain name. You know, I went to go get uh, another booster shot recently. Um, and it's funny, I was talking to the nurse and I was reading out my email address and she's like, oh, you have your own domain. That's so interesting. And I told her I got it years and years ago, but it's so easy now to get domains. Back when I got my domain in 2003, you only went to GoDaddy. Like that was it. That was pretty much it. Maybe one or two other registrars. But with Hover, not only can you choose all of the basics like .com, .net, etc., but there are over 400 plus domain extensions you can choose from like .design, .whatever. There's a lot of them out there now. I can't name all of them, but uh, you should definitely check it out. All the classics, lots of fun niche extensions. Hover is the only domain provider I use and trust. And if you sign up with them, you can go to hover.com forward slash revision path. You'll get 10% off your first purchase. Now for this week's interview, I'm talking with Corey Jones, creative director at Forum One. Let's start the show. All right. So tell us who you are and what you do. Well, hello. I'm Corey Jones. I'm a creative director. I do visual design and I'm kind of curious creator. I like at, at work, I do a little bit of everything. So I'm, I'm kind of in motion design industry, but I'm also doing interactive design for web experiences. So I, it runs the gamut, but right now I'm a creative director at Forum One. How's uh, the summer been going for you so far? So far, summer's good. The, the past couple of days have been like really, really, really hot. I'm actually in the process of uh, moving to a different part of, uh, of New Jersey. And so, so I'm, I've been doing that, but the summer's great. I got the chance to spend some time with my family not too long ago. And, you know, it's been a while since I had seen them. And so it, would be, it was great to kind of get back to uh, Pennsylvania, which is where I'm from. Okay. What do you have uh, coming up these next few months, aside from the move, I should mention? 
Yeah, well, aside from the move, I'm doing some work with my brother and thinking about what we're going to do with the sauce. What's the next? Uh, we'll talk about that later. But um, what's the next stage in, in Jones and Barbecue? So that's something I'm looking forward to. But it's outside of that. We've got a lot of great projects coming up. You know, I'm excited to dive into those. So let's talk about Forum One. First of all, what is Forum One? And two, just kind of let me know, like, what your experience has been like there so far. Yeah. So I work at Forum One. I'm the creative director there now. I started out as a senior interaction designer when I started there. But Forum One is a agency. Their mission is dedicated to working with mission-driven organizations. We have a few, you know, some government clients there as well. But a lot of our work is centered around, you know, working with organizations that are making an impact in the world. And it's one of the things that sort of intrigued me and, and drew me to it. it was because it was a place that had a bigger mission and, you know, something like that as a designer, I found that to be very inspiring. And so, you know, so far I've been there for oh, a little over many years, I'll say. I, mean, I can't even keep track. It might be like seven years by now. But I've been there and it's been a great experience. I've been able to sort of progress you know, a lot faster here than I was able to at other places. And, you know, I found it to be a very supportive culture where I've got the opportunity to work on some really, really big projects. What does a kind of a regular day look like for you there? I get this question all the time, but like, and people ask me, what's my routine? What's your day like? And I like to really control my daily routine. And I'll explain that a little bit more is I had this routine and I've been actually doing this for years, even before Forum One. I like to come in every morning. Well, when I used to go into the office, I do this at home, remote now, full time. But I do the same thing. I come into the office or my office space and I don't check email. I don't check Slack or any messages first thing in the morning. I like to take that time where it's the most quiet part of my day and just look at inspiration. I might do a tutorial, you know, because you never stop learning. I dedicated that quiet space to to writing positive influences, positive inputs like inspiration. And I just like to spend that time with myself, maybe even meditate. It's something I've been doing more recently just to clear my head. And I found that that's really made me a much uh, clearer thinker, a much sharper creative. That's my routine. Now, as the day progresses, and you might know this as well, when you're in the thick of it in the agency world, You start to get the pings from the emails later in the day. And so I try to just approach my day very organized. I organize my calendar every at the end of the week, each week. And then I think about the week ahead. And, you know, the first thing I do after, say, about 10, 11 o'clock, you know, I'll usually have some meetings. We have a pretty big meeting culture at Forum One. So you've got to really be mindful of that and make sure you're balancing out your calendar in all in all, it's a pretty, pretty chill place in, in terms of like some of the other places I've been where you're really in this hustle and grind. There's a lot more balance, I find, at Forum One. And so, you know, my day is uh, spent either in the thick of it, designing, working or working with other designers. I spend a lot of time mentoring the younger designers on the team. And, and I have these check-in times with them two times a week, you know, and and anybody can book this time with me and I'll review their work, help them with their career. I do a lot of different things as a form of a mentor at the agency. So talk a little bit more about kind of the makeup of your team. You mentioned these kind of these uh, younger designers that you're working with. Like, what does the team look like? At Forum One, we're kind of like split where we have designers that are are part of the strategy team and they're mostly focused on brand identity, brand strategy. And so we have designers there, but we also have a core web team that's focused on interactive design. And I uh, sit kind of like as an in-between those two groups. A lot of my work is in my career has been branding, brand development. So I work across the different departments Our um, interactive team is really a combination of user experience designers, UX researchers, and visual designers, um, kind of like product designers who focus mostly on web. And so there's probably about, I think, oh, how many of this are there now? Probably maybe like 15. So we have a pretty pretty good sized team overall, but our divisions or departments sort of... uh, you run the gamut from anything from strategy, branding, motion graphics, animation is something new we're doing now, and then web and interactive. Sounds like a pretty big team overall. 
Yeah, it's a pretty big team. So if you've got all these sort of like separate teams and they're doing this like different work, when a new project comes in, like what does your creative process look like? Like walk me through that. Yeah. So everyone gets, uh, we have a centralized resourcing department that really works closely with uh, the managers and, and the department leads. And so I work very closely with that team to sort of figure out who is working on what. And I mean, a lot of this stuff is actually handled by our VP of design because sort of my role is kind of a, a unique role in the sense it's not like a, a traditional creative director role where I have to oversee everything. Each of our designers gets assigned a project and it's usually based on their their sort of interest and uh, their role and interest. And so my creative process is really, I get assigned projects where I'm either the lead as far as design, maybe I might be leading some of the design or I might be working with another designer where I'm sort of like an art director, creative director, working with another designer. Are you thinking like walking through the actual process for a project? I can do that as well. Yeah. Yeah. Like, like say there's a new client that you get or there's a new campaign that you have to work on. Like, what does the process look like when you're talking about it with your team and everything? Yeah. So a lot of times we'll start off with having a creative brief. A lot of times there's a lot of key discovery that happens before we even get assigned a project. So usually when a project comes through, We'll have a big team meeting. All the key players who are assigned to the project will be in that that first initial meeting. And this is an internal meeting. So you would have your developer who might be on the project. And this could be front-end and back-end developer. You've got your project lead. You might have somebody from the strategy team. You'll have a user experience designer, a visual designer, and then sometimes myself in addition to those, as well as a team lead or a creative director. And when that comes in, we really go through the scope of work. We look at all of the things that the client is looking for. And then we start planning when we're going to have key discovery workshops where we go in and work with the client. And the outcome of a discovery workshop really is where we actually, that's where it really starts. We really, we then would put together a creative brief. And this is really just a guiding document that we all follow that, you know, really highlights some of the things we learned in discovery the goals of the project. And really at at that stage, we're all sort of figuring out how we're going to work together, what areas that that I'm going to focus on versus others. And and then we kind of just that we all go our separate ways for a little while. And then we set up key review check-ins where we all come back together because there's a lot of different things in the beginning that are happening that, you know, that could be happening. Say it's a, a web project, for example, we're going to have user experience that's going to be doing interviews. They're going to be learning all about the project from the client, but they're also going to be interviewing the potential users, um, really gathering all that data that visual designers would then use to design to. What would you say is the hardest part about what you do? There's a lot of pressure in being a designer to always have ideas. And, you know, and you're working on so many different things at any given time and there's a pressure. There's a pressure to always deliver, always be original, always have a new idea. And I think the biggest challenge is really making sure that you're able to to kind of stay inspired and stay motivated to keep generating these ideas, you know, sometimes really fast timelines. You know, that's probably the biggest challenge, but I think that, you know, I've developed ways to overcome that, ways to work through it. So it, it hasn't been as big of a challenge in the last few years as it has been in the past, but I think that's a big one. Do you normally have like pretty fast deadlines for projects? We've actually gotten a lot better. It's not as much now. Like we kind of have like fast turnaround. And I say fast turnaround. Typical project at Forum One is going to be a couple months. So we're, you know, we're working on large web builds, but those review cycles might be faster depending on it really depends on the client. So that's if it's for like a conference or something big coming up, then we got faster timelines. Overall, I would say that it's not completely chaotic. (laughs) And you've been now, like you said, you've been at Forum One now for about seven years. So you've really kind of come up through the ranks and seen how not just the business have grown, but probably how you've grown within the business, right? Yeah, absolutely. Well, I think that, you know, when you spend a significant amount of time in one place, you start to learn a lot about how that place works, how, you know, you learn more, you learn the business side, you learn how contracts are you know, acquired. 
And I found that I've learned so much more about business just by seeing, you know, being playing a role in business development, pitching work to clients. And, and it's been a great experience in the, in the sense that I get to learn more than just visual design. And, and I get to kind of learn the, the different areas of how to run a business and how money is generated and, and what's uh, important to companies to grow. And so, so that's uh, exciting. Yeah. Now let's kind of, you know, switch gears here a little bit because you've, you've talked a, a good bit about work, but let's learn more about, about you, about your origin story. And we are going to get to the, the sauce in case anybody's listening and want to find <laughs> out more about that. We'll get yeah. to that, but tell me more about uh, where you grew up. You mentioned Pennsylvania. Yeah. So yeah, we'll definitely get to the sauce. My origin story leads to the sauce. So this is going to be good. So I grew up in a town called uh, Johnstown, Pennsylvania. It's, uh, you know, not too many people know of Johnstown, but it's a small town and uh, like probably about an hour outside of uh, Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. People, I always say that because people seem to know Pittsburgh, the Pittsburgh Steelers football. So I grew up in Johnstown, Pennsylvania. My early days in, in Johnstown were typical. You know, I had a really good childhood growing up. You know, it, it really did shape who I was able to become. I spent most of my childhood sort of in my own head. I was always uh, a creative person. I was always, I always loved to draw. That was one of the things that I, if you didn't find me on a basketball court, you found me, that would be drawing. Like, cause art was always like an outlet for me. I have two siblings. I have a younger sister and then I also have a twin brother who is my partner in the barbecue sauce. Growing up was typical childhood. I had a really good upbringing, family life. I had some good influences, but you know, I always, you know, like to say that it wasn't all sunshine growing up. I, there was, you know, there was a, there was sort of a, there were some negative influences coming up, and I've had uh, family members, you know, struggle with alcoholism, drugs, and those things sort of, you know, those sort of shaped me. Like as I figure, because I didn't have a lot growing up we were sort of shielded from the fact of what the circumstances were in our home life. You know, my parents worked, worked really hard and, and I always just think back and I think about my mother who, who cleaned houses. And when I look back and I think about my childhood, I was really shielded from what was really going on. And we had nice things, we had Christmases and we have the, had all these things, but I just know my mother had to work really hard so that's always been something that stuck with me and really played a major role into who I am as a person and, and what I've been able to become mm-hmm. and where I got this uh, sort of drive to just really work hard. And I look at that and I think about that as something that really shaped who I've become. And the other side is like, I grew up in a very foodie family, like family dinners, big meals, were a big part of our life. So food has always been a constant thing, barbecue, cookouts, all these different things. And my brother and I just would, we love to cook. We were very entrepreneurial growing up, but we would like sell like candy in, at school or sell pizza seasoning. Me and my brother would like make our own season blends with whatever we had in the cabinet. We would take it to school and we would sell it to the other kids because we ate school lunch and, you know, mm. school lunch isn't always that good. So I always remember us making things. So that's, we were always, we were different, but we were always creative in that way. And so that kind of sort of guided me into this sort of self-discovery about what I really wanted to do, which I can get into too, if you want to dive into that. Yeah, let's get into it. So I was always like, I never really knew what I wanted to be when I grew up. Of course, I played sports growing up. I played football for a little while, and then I really latched on to basketball. You know, I'm not a very tall person, but I had these dreams of playing uh, in the NBA, and and that quickly faded. But I realized <laughs> I wasn't. I realized I'm not getting any taller. But I also like it wasn't something that was like I wasn't like a breakout star in, in my town or anything like that. But I enjoyed the the game, the team camaraderie, and I always enjoyed enjoyed sports in that way. Growing up and then getting as I got older, got into high school, I really started to think about what the heck I wanted to do. I've always had this drawing ability, had a deep passion for food. And so my brother, he actually was thinking about becoming a chef and he did become a chef. And so we would talk about together. It was like, well, maybe, you know, we should go to school together and we'd be a chef and you could be a chef too. We'll be twin chefs. 
And so while I thought that was a cool idea, I never saw myself like working in a kitchen or anything like that. And so I figured, well, what's the next thing? What else could I do? And and so I've always grew up, like I said, spent a lot of time drawing and really was into art. I excelled really well in art. And so I had this drawing ability, but I wasn't quite sure what to do with it. Like, it's one of those things where nobody says, oh, be an artist. You should be an artist or you should go to school and be an artist. It's, it just wasn't something that you ever talked about. It's usually like, oh, you could go to the military. Like I had some family members who went into the military and, and had successful careers doing that. But I just didn't feel like that was for me. There was this moment where in my high school art class where a older gentleman came to speak and he was like a commercial artist and he did like animation. And I was like, oh, really kind of like intrigued by animation and this idea of making cartoons. And I figured like, well, I could draw. Maybe I should go to school for animation, thinking that, well, that could be a great career making cartoons. You know, I like to watch cartoons. That's actually what I did. I went to school initially for animation my brother went off to culinary school and last minute we were trying to figure out what schools we were going to go to. And we were looking at areas. We looked at Pittsburgh as, you know, as a neighboring town. And we ended up going to the same school, which is the Art Institute in Pittsburgh. Then by chance, they had a two-year-old culinary program. And so we end up going from being roommates at home to being roommates in college. And he went for uh for culinary and business management. And then I went into their animation program. Mm. So you both yeah. went to the same school, both went to Art Institute of uh, Pittsburgh. We did. We did. Okay. So what was your time like there? So, well, I learned very quickly that I'm not sure that I want to be an animator. So how it went down is like, I got into the program really based on my ability to draw that program. You have to do some, you know, do some tests to kind of, you know, see how well you can draw and, and make sure you're able to kind of handle the demands of the of the program. And I got in there and I really enjoyed a lot of my courses. I had some great instructors when it came to animation, but really part of me just couldn't shake the fact that I wasn't sure that animation was a career that would really allow me to excel in it just seemed like I didn't fit into animation. I just didn't feel like comfortable. I didn't feel like it was a field that was very inviting, certainly to like a person of color. Like I didn't see any like black animators or anything like that. And that was important to me. And it is like that in a lot of fields, but I just was concerned that I wouldn't be able to make a career out of that. And so I think it was like maybe six quarters in, I decided to change majors to um, graphic design. And so that's what I ended up getting my bachelor's degree in graphic design. And that's when my world opened up. When I learned about graphic design and knowing myself, I've always been like super curious about all forms of design, just different things, like even just like going into a store and looking at packaging and seeing the type on it. I never really thought until I got to school and learned what graphic design was that somebody had to make those things. And that really, really inspired me. And I was like, in graphic design, it's so broad. You can do logos, you can do packaging design, you can design billboards, but you can also do clothing and apparel design. There's so many different things you can do. My brother and I have always been very entrepreneurial and we're always looking at, can we make money? Can we really grow? And, and so I saw that broad, the broadness of graphic design is like, something that I can really dive into that allow me to really kind of move and be flexible. And, and I just saw it as like the, the right career move. And it turned out that it was, it was the right move. And I think that what I love most uh, about my time at the Art Institute is I got a strong foundation in, in graphic design and visual design, but there's also a lot of courses that you can take that were sort of elective, like traditional illustration, editorial illustration, and also like things like learning web and flash, all of those things were a part of that program. And I was able to learn so many different things, but still also hold on to the fact that I'm an artist. You know, I really kind of wanted to be an illustrator for a long time, really go into illustration or more of the illustration side of graphic design. 
but ended up really falling in love with logo design and branding. I kind of steered my career towards like doing identity design. And I spent a lot of time really focused on, on that. But overall, my time at the Art Institute was good. You know, I learned a lot there. The school is actually closed now. And so that's unfortunate. And I know a few of the Art Institutes actually closed. I learned a lot. There are some challenges that I can dig into that I encountered towards the end when I was like, okay, it's time to find a job. It's time to get out there. Well, yeah, talk about those because I think we have a lot of students that listen to the show and some of them are in design school, some of them aren't. But I know that I often will get letters from like rising juniors or rising seniors that are trying to figure out like what's their next step, especially like I think in this current climate that we're in. But no, talk about that. Like what were some of those difficulties you ran into? In Pittsburgh, there was a lot of uh, agencies in in the Pittsburgh area. And when I was getting to the point where, like, you know, it was time to find an internship, I really felt like I struggled to land an internship. And I don't, for one reason or the other, I just, you know, couldn't find an internship. And I watched a lot of designers around me get internships at some of these places. And so it was kind of random, but like, I did my own work. I asked around. And and sometimes if you're not given a opportunity, but you always have the power to go find your own opportunity. So I kind of like took my career, I would say at that time in my own hands. And I started asking around, you know, other agencies, other students and peers. And the funny thing is, is I worked at OfficeMax, uh, you know, at that time. And it was like office supply store, kind of like a Staples there was a coworker there and he mentioned that he uh, had a gentleman that he went to church with who had his own marketing agency and it was called Bynum's Marketing and Communications. And, you know, shout out to Russell Bynum, who's uh, the founder and owner of that agency. They gave me an opportunity to be an intern and that sort of experience really kind of was the foundation that sort of shaped, you know, my understanding of how an agency worked how work comes in, the you know, how work gets assigned. That was sort of a really, really important moment in my career. That's so interesting you mentioned Bynum. We this is back, I think, gosh, this was back in maybe twenty sixteen or so, back when Revision Path had a blog and we had writers. And I know we did this series called Black Love by Design. And it yeah. was focusing on studios run by black married couples. And one of them was Bynum Marketing, Russell oh, and Kathy is. Bynum. Yeah, out yeah, of Philly. I know. Oh, man, I know Russell and Kathy very well. Yeah. You know, they, look, they gave me an opportunity. Like, it's kind of sad that the world works the way it does. And, and that, you know, I watched all these students getting these landing, these internships. And I'm like, what's the problem here? And that was kind of like one of those moments that you're starting to realize how the world works. And you can take that to, you know, two ways. You can be discouraged by it or you can use it as like fuel to kind of like really kind of push you through moments. And I, and I use that as like fuel for me. It's like I landed this internship. They gave me the opportunity and I seized every moment of it. I made sure that when I came in, I really gave them some value. I was bringing a lot of the things that I, I know to their agency. You know, they were learning from me. I was learning from them. I haven't uh, chatted with Russell in a while, but Russell and Kathy really gave me a springboard to really kind of start that journey off and really kind of give me some real agency experience. Because to find a job when you're first starting out, you it's like a chicken and an egg. Like you don't have enough experience. And then those internships are really, really crucial in helping you land that first job and really being able to get out there and and show that you can do the work because you know the portfolio is important but a lot of times it's like well have you worked at a studio it could be really tough yeah but I, yeah that is such a coincidence it is and i mean shout out to them for i mean one being a black married couple that i mean they've both been working in the industry for like well over 30 years and then them extending the opportunity to you as a black designer as a place where you can start out your career like that's powerful I remember being like so inspired and so like amazed because, you know, all these agencies are the same. You know, it's a, it's a couple of white dudes who start an agency and those organizations are just not diverse. And, and a lot of that is about, it's by design. And I just remember just being so um, impressed with, you know, what Russell and Kathy were doing and, 
seeing that really, really made me proud. And so I just wanted to add as much value as I could to that agency. And yeah, so they really kind of, um, I learned a lot from Russell in that time and be forever grateful for that experience. That's amazing. Uh, That's really amazing to hear. And I mean, from there, you know, you kind of uh, went on to other roles. I think one of your first really big major roles was senior art director position at GA1. Like, tell me about that. Yeah. So there's a couple series of events that kind of led to a little bit before that, that kind of... uh, So there's another backstory here that I I do want to bring up is I also used to do some freelance for around the time that I, you know, was at the in, did the internship and kind of right after that, a teacher of mine has his own uh, studio called O Creations in the Pittsburgh area, and he was looking for some freelancers, and so I was able to gain some real world experience there. And at that time, that was something that, with along with the internship, I was able to use to land what was my first first gig as um, a designer for a studio called Three PC Media. At the time, it was called called Kisco, and they're just right on the outside of the Pittsburgh area. I'll tell you the story. So what happened was is I got this job. It was the founder. One of the founders actually used to be an alumni of the. Art Institute, and he was looking for designers. And so I was one of those designers on the list and working with the departments there to try to, you know, help me find a job. And so this is about six months outside of school. And I remember being so excited to just have my first job. I didn't even care about the salary. I didn't even think about what they were paying me or anything. I was just happy to have a job and and learn. And so I get into that job and Overall, it was a great experience. I learned a lot. I spent a good bit of time working for them. And I forget when exactly it was or how long I actually spent there. But I remember one day they came into my office and they were like, hey, Corey, we're going to have to you know, let you go. We're getting a lot of web work and we're not really able to keep you busy. And you know, we could probably can afford to give you maybe one more paycheck and so I was done that day. Like I was done the day that that they came into my office and said that. And it really kind of like made me just not upset, but it made me just question myself and my worth. And I remember thinking like I did well at every task they've given me. Like I did really well. And what the thing was is what I didn't realize is, is their business was changing. I didn't really recognize it. You know, I did mostly print at the time, branding work, and they were starting to move into web design and interactive stuff. And I just didn't have those skills. And it taught me a really, really important lesson. What it taught me is that wherever you go, whatever agency you work for, you have to be very aware of how that business makes its money, the things that they're working on, and making sure that you're always able to add value. And I learned very importantly from that moment that you have to be consistently adding value because I never wanted to be in a position where I was replaceable. And so that moment was actually the thing that really lit a fire in me and really opened my eyes that I could have a solid portfolio. I can deliver. I can come in and do the job that I'm asked to do and still lose my job. So really, that was the spark that I needed to really kind of set my career on fire. Like, I never wanted to give anybody a reason to say that that they can get rid of me. I, I wanted to make myself irreplaceable. And so I really just used that as sort of the, the fuel, as I was saying earlier, to really just constantly add value, make sure I'm learning and growing my skills. I just never wanted to be in that position again. That's kind of what I did with my career is just... Uh, I started to really make sure that I'm always looking at not just the thing that I'm good at right now, but the things that I could do that would be above and beyond that would add more value. And so I I kind of went from that experience. They wrote me a really great recommendation. And so I ended up landing another job shortly after and, you know, worked that job for a while. And I saw this opportunity in the DC area for GA1. And I remember thinking again, like I, you know, I worked with Russell and Kathy and this agency was a multicultural agency, black owned, husband and wife kind of 
And so it was like, it reminded me of that experience that I had. And I thought that, wow, this is like, this is great. I felt like a, like a sense of a belonging. I felt like, you know, you're going, you're going to work with people who are like you. And, you know, I went into that role as a senior art director and all of the roles that I've had in my career were, the roles were a little bit, the titles were bigger than you would normally see in somebody starting a career out. I kind of, my first job was kind of like, they gave me the title lead designer because it was really just two other people and me. I've always had a higher title, but I never really had true mentorship at any of these organizations. When I talk to a lot of designers and who sort of really think that they need to have a mentor and that they need that to grow. And I always tell them, you're not always going to have access to mentorship in the organizations, but through your um, the web and the network, you can have, your mentor could be anybody. You can make up your own mentor through pulling in aspects of people you admire. And, you know, it's funny, like people ask me like, well, who are your mentors and who were some of your mentors coming up? And I always say like, I don't really have any like mentors. I never really had somebody who was willing to give me their time. So I would look at key attributes of people I admired, you know, and it could be somebody like Michael Jordan. Like <laughs> you look at, other, you know, Michael Jordan, the way he played the game is dedication. And then, you know, you take some of those skills or, you know, Anthony Bourdain, like I was a big food person and I, and I was introduced to the world of food and cooking through him, you know, rest in peace. and, and and I, I learned a lot about storytelling and, and how food is the ultimate connector. And so you pull all these little aspects from people you really admire and you can you can sort of mold yourself in those images and add those things to who you are and who you want to be. I wanted to talk about, you know, some of these larger roles that you ended up taking later, like you worked at the Bornstein Group for a while. What do you remember from that? Like, what did you sort of learn from those? Those roles, so like coming GA1 was uh, really the sort of springboard for me understanding a lot more details about how an agency works, how business comes in. And those roles were like, I was really heavily relied on in those roles. And I remember just like feeling so like sort of insecure and like, you know, sort of like a lot of self-doubt in that moment, like feeling like, I don't know if I should be the one leading these meetings, but I was like, I felt like I was like, as I say, we just dropped into the fire and it was a lot of responsibility to be an active person in business development. And, and mind you, this is like early on in my career and I'm kind of like in these meetings, talking to stakeholders and sort of running client meetings. And at the same time, I'm just figuring it out and trying to become a better designer. It was a lot of pressure to be able to come in, make sure that I'm adding value, but at the same time, still kind of growing and following sort of my interest in different areas of design. And, and you know, I've always been really, really curious. I've always been a self-motivated and I love to learn. I just love to try to do new things. And so, you know, it's balancing that with the needs of the agency and the day-to-day -day grind of the agency life. So GA1 was sort of like that sort of foundation of really understanding how an agency works. And a little bit later, then I end up kind of going to work at the Borenstein Group where, you know, I held similar director titles, but it's where I first started like really changing from this sort of print first designer to this sort of web first designer and web and interactive. Because a lot of the work we did at the Borenstein Group was it was branding work, but it was branding and website work. And so I had some later on, it sort of tor more towards the end of that, of working at the Borenstein Group, we hired a new director who really was like a big time mentor. One of my first sort of design mentors who taught me all about the web industries. His name is uh, Joe DePalma, and he actually runs a, a creative studio called Punch that's uh, in the DC area. I think they're in Arlington. But that was the first person to really spend some time really showing me how things worked, like how web works, how to work with code and all these different things that just was completely new to me. But that was a crucial thing that I needed to learn because everything around me was changing. We're moving out of print first. We're moving into more interactive and user experience was starting to become a really big thing. I learned a lot about how to design for a wider range of medium types. And so 
I was able to, at Borenstein Group, I was able to dive into a lot of different things. I was able to not only do print and branding work, but interactive websites. And also was the, I got to work on an actual game for the iPhone. And it was, it was like me going into the vaults of my background in, in animation classes and we were doing, it was kind of like a, an agency promotional thing. The game was called Turtle Soup. I don't think it exists on iTunes anymore, but <laughs> the game was centered around like this turtle was the mascot and he was, and he would be racing through the DC area. And along the way, it's kind of like a racing game. Along the way, there's like these little, you know, icons like social media. And really what it was, is a self-promotional tool to, for the agency to use to promote itself to say, hey, you can use these other forms of media to really grow your, your impact and grow your brand using social media. So every day was different. You got to do so many different things. But I was also able to really sort of refine my skills in, in working with clients. The funny thing is, is when I started that experience, you know, I, got, I went from GA1 where I'm leading client presentations and meetings. And then I go to this Borenstein group where... And for a while, I wasn't in, I wasn't pitching. I wasn't even talking to clients. I was kind of like sort of behind the scenes for a little bit. You know, I just remember really thinking about that and, and wondering like, okay, I no problem leading these client presentations and why wasn't I given the opportunity? You know, I kind of thought a lot about that. And one day I was able to do a presentation one of the gentlemen in the, in the, it was a large board meeting and we were presenting some branding work. The gentleman was like, I'd love to hear what Corey has to say. And that was the first time I got what I call a speaking role. And so I kind of talked about at that time, I was like, I really, I really knew branding in and out. I love branding. I could talk about it all day. I kind of really sold the project. You know, I remember the guy saying, I don't know where you got him from, but keep him forever. You know, you know, (laughs) so then all of a sudden now I'm in every meeting, I'm in every presentation. It's like, once again, like I had to prove myself and I just feel like I've been in all of these agencies and and I've I've always kind of felt this pressure. Like I've got to prove my worth and prove myself, prove that I deserve to be in the room. And it's kind of like a, a stressful place to be in to where to always feel like you've got to like really show your worth because, you know, going from being laid off, there was already some insecurity starting to brew up. Like I can't give anybody a reason to lay me off again. Like I can't get fired. And so I took that everywhere I went and I tried to keep making sure I was making a dent, making value. And so finally being able to do a presentation, you know, it was like, okay, I've, you know, I don't have to worry about that one thing anymore. I can now continue to keep adding value in this is one of the things I always tell like young designers is, you know, you want to get in these organizations, try to make yourself irreplaceable. You know, when you see a gap, try to fill that gap, always looking for ways to show that you deserve to be in the room and you do deserve to be in the room. And I, and I think that you just got to always make sure you're mindful of the business and how you're adding value to that business. So, yeah, I mean, great experience, learned a lot, you know, ups and downs, but I was able to sort of really really sort of start to hone my abilities as a a creative director, really learning how to better communicate and better collaborate with those around me. That that all sort of came in my time working at uh, the Borenstein Group. Hmm. Do you still feel that way now? I don't feel it as much. I can't shake the feeling that somebody's always like watching that I still feel it to an extent like just and I don't know what it is, but it's just, I've always had this lingering feeling no matter where I went that I just have to prove myself. I always feel like everybody's watching me that they're just waiting for me to fall or waiting for me to fail or do something wrong. And, and, and this could be, this is really just kind of a me. And that sort of burnt me out for a while too. I should say, you know, through all that advice of really making sure you're sort of showcasing your value, make sure you're really feeling, you got to be careful not to burn yourself out. And I did do that a few years back. Just I've had this sort of mentality of always being on, always being available. And really, it's just not healthy. And really, that's kind of born out of toxic environments where there's this expectation for you to always be on. And and a good bit of my career was like that. You know, the places I was in 
they were go, go, go. And, you know, you always had to feel like you needed to be available. You needed to be on, on call, you know, working on the weekends and, and those kind of things. And I remember just doing it, just kind of like going with the flow and just, you know, taking it as it is and, and just kind of uh, just thinking that, OK, this is normal. And, you know, I realized, and, you know, now, you know, looking back in retrospect that those environments aren't normal. It isn't normal to work that way. Now, at Forum One, it's different. Like there wasn't that expectation to always be on and always be available. And and I found that, you know, here people are working the standard shift, they're nine to five. And that was so foreign to me. I just didn't understand that. I had never seen that before. And so I found it just like just great to kind of be able to to kind of take a step back from this way I was used to working that was really ultimately leading me to be burnt out. And so I just feel so much more balanced now. You know, I'm really enjoying the work. And I, you know, I don't know, you know, how it is for, was for you kind of coming up. I do feel like balance is really, really key. And I think that like I'm in a much better place now. I mean, certainly, I mean, I think trying to find a good balance between work and just trying to like live your life is certainly important. I mean, I think it was different for me because I had my own studio for a number of years, like for like roughly nine years from 2008 to 2017, I was running my own studio and I didn't have any sort of like business mentorship or anything, at least at the beginning during that time to sort of let me know what the balance could look like. It was sort of the running joke that I used to say is like, oh, you know, as an entrepreneur, you can work half days, any 12 hours you like. Like I would work, you know, just day in, day out, wouldn't stop. And I did it because I, yes, I had the freedom to kind of make my own schedule, but it wasn't something that became sustainable, especially once I started growing in business and certainly not uh, once I started like building a team. It's like, why am I running myself ragged trying to do this? And I need to try to find a way to kind of make that balance. I mean, now for the past five years, I've been working for startups and I've really found a way to compartmentalize like my work hours are between this hour and this hour. And anything after that, I don't even think about it. I'm moving on to whatever other stuff that I have to do. So some of it is just really like staking those boundaries and and really sticking to them. But yeah, it's a struggle. I think everyone kind of has to find a way to to come to that balance. There's no one true way to do it because everyone's circumstances are different. Everyone's situation is different. You just have to sort of find what works best for you. But I think what we can all know is that working too much in that respect will lead to burnout. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. These are just things that you learn along the way. And and I've learned a lot along the way. And I talk a lot about like understanding and knowing the businesses of uh, that you work within. I also, you know, have, like I talked about me and my brother were always entrepreneurial. And so the barbecue story is kind of like, we kind of like bypassed the barbecue story, but I'll jump back to it real quick. So what happened was my brother ended up going into this culinary program and, you know, I'm in the graphic design program or switching from animation to graphic design. He starts like really exploring, you know, learning a lot of different like sauces and different things. And he had this idea. He was like, one day he kind of comes to me. He's like, you know, it'd be really good as like a barbecue sauce with like coffee. If you think about it, coffee has like this roasted smoky flavor. Barbecue has that same character. You know, it'd be cool as if we made a coffee infused barbecue sauce. And he's like, you're in graphic design. You can make the label. And (laughs) that's literally how it went down. He was like, you can make the label. And so he did all the groundwork. He did all the research into how to get it packaged, you you know, how to get the label, the nutritional facts, UPC barcoding, like how all this stuff works. He kind of uh, just went out and started researching it. And then we sort of collaborated together. And this is like the bottle we have now is a few iterations from what it was. I can't even look at the first label. I was just like, oh, did I design that? I, I can't believe I designed <laughs> We've been doing the sauce for like, oh man, like I, I want to say like almost 20 years now. It's so funny. So because it was like back in college, we started this back in college and, you know, jonesandbbq.com for those who are interested. We, this is something we did together and having your own brand and your own business is really that was like the out after hours learning. So I'm at work and I'm looking at agencies. I'm seeing how agencies work and the business side of agencies. But at home, I'm starting like a sauce business, a product business, and I'm learning 
all about how to sell products and building my own website on, on in my free time, trying to figure out how to build my own website. And so I'm after hours really working on this has sort of been like our, our passion project and we do well with it. It's one of those things like if you want things to do well, you have to put more energy into it. But he and I are sort of both career focused. My brother, he's a chef and now and he actually is transitioning into he just moved to the Atlanta area. He's uh, working on some things with with a partner down there and and um, really trying to like do some interesting concepts, food trucks and all that. He was also on the Food Network like four times and won, I think, three times. He won three times. So that's kind of sort of his sort of claim to fame there. And um, so he and I are we're always kind of like running in different circles, but we're, we're still kind of similar in the sense that we both are kind of like really sort of grinding in our own respective areas. And, and so the barbecue sauce is that one common ground where we come together and work on stuff. Oh, very cool. Very cool. I want to talk about your YouTube channel. Uh, this is something I think you started maybe a, a yeah. couple of, of years ago called Creative Director Studio. Talk to me about that. Well, yeah. And I'll tell you sort of like how that, that kind of came to be. I always had this mentality that, you know, for a long time that nobody really cares what I have to say, that nobody was listening. And I realized that that's just not true. And the reality is there are people watching, there are people listening. And no matter what stage you are in your career, there's always going to be somebody who is a, a couple steps below you willing to look at looking up at you as a as a mentor, inspiring, inspired by you. And so I think too many designers out there or creatives out there often feel like, you know, feel sort of self-doubt, but also feel like people aren't listening to the things that they have that because they haven't won a major award or, or whatever it might be like, oh, I haven't won a major award or an Emmy or anything like that. So nobody's going to care about what I have to say. But I realized that in mentoring, and I mentor a lot of younger designers now, and also working at Forum One, I'm a mentor to other designers, and they're all looking up at me, and they're all taking my advice. And really, I found that 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 might be my passion. I've always been like looking for like a purpose and passion in this hunger to learn and and grow and always adding on new skills to my tool belt. Like I'm a creative director, but I went through extensive training in motion graphics and animation a few years back. And I kept asking myself, it's like, what is this new thing going to do for me in my career? What value am I going to leave? Like what debt can I make in my career? And is it learning the next new thing? And I realized that it's mentorship. I've been so excited to learn that that I can really add value to somebody else's career. And I just found that to be super inspiring. And so a coworker or colleague of mine, we've always talked about this for a long time, about starting some kind of uh, you know channel dedicated to mentorship. And so we decided to partner up to sort of like expand our reach and really kind of make sure that we're we're pulling in different perspectives and and so we decided to start the the channel Creative Director Studio on YouTube and and it's we've been been a couple months here now. We're growing and it's a way for me to sort of share what I know, what I've learned along the way and and, and hopefully we can inspire the next generation of of leaders, of creative leaders really really kind of by sharing what we've learned just as a way to sort of give back to the community. And we've got a lot of, a lot of uh, great plans for the show and thinking about how we're going to evolve, if we're going to, what guests we're bringing in to speak, um, and really make sure we're broadening the voices that happen within Creative Director Studio. And so it's something we're working towards. It's really just a live version of what value I'm giving in my private mentoring sessions when I do those. What does success look like for you at this stage in your career? I think for a long time, I was focused on, you know, winning awards and doing these different things. And, you know, I've won some along the way. I, you know, I spent a lot of time working with the Smithsonian African-American Museum. I led the visual design of that. And one, we won some Webby Awards for that. And, and I was able to win some really good awards in my career. And for a long time, I thought that that was the thing that I wanted as my success metric. And I realized that 
that's not it. What I'm hoping to to do is for me, success is what I'm doing to give back and who I'm lifting up along the way. I am now focused more on you know mentoring other designers, mentoring designers who are like me, look like me. I believe that success is like how many people I bring along the ride with me. Like, what can I do with this position I'm in to lift up those around me and make sure that I'm giving back to the creative community, giving back to those of color and design and showing them that they have somebody there to support them. And and there's people out there willing to dedicate that time to mentor you. Um, I didn't have a lot of mentors, as I said. And so I can be the mentor that I didn't have. And so I use the channel, but I also use mentorship as an opportunity to do that. And I think, honestly... I would be happy with my career if I was, you know, just able to be that spark in somebody's career. If I could just do that, you know, if I could just keep doing that, inspire one person, go to the next person, then to the next person and really, really make sure that I'm kind of just giving back to the community. To me, that's kind of success enough. Where do you see yourself in the next five years? Like, what do you want your next chapter to look like? I am enjoying kind of uh, being uh, a creative director and and leading projects. I'm kind of seeing myself diving into just new forms of uh, of design. I'm really excited by like the new tech coming out and there's all this buzz around AI generated creative. And I I just kind of, I always live and thrive in that, that area of curiosity. So anything new that's coming out, like I'm like on it, I'm willing to kind of dive in and learn it's hard to say five years is, you know, a long time from now. So I'm, I see myself diving into some new tech and really diving into just like really bigger and, and better or more, I should say more innovative ideas. So I kind of see myself heading in that direction. Well, just to kind of wrap things up here, where can our audience find out more information about you, about your work, about the sauce? Like where can they find all that online? On social media, I'm on Twitter. I, I use Twitter for the most part. I'm at Corey Creative. You can find me at Corey Creative also on LinkedIn. The barbecue sauce is jonesandbbq.com. Try it out. It's the best uh, sauce you never tried. And you can also you know, check, us out, check me out on my YouTube channel at Creative Director Studio. Yeah, that's where you can find me. I'm always willing to, to kind of like work with people, mentor people. So if, if those of you out there are looking for mentorship and, and you need somebody to kind of help you with your career, you can also find me on LinkedIn. Feel free to reach out. Happy to connect with anybody. All right. Sounds good. Well, Corey Jones, I want to thank you so much for coming on the show. I think probably what stands out the most to me from hearing your story and hearing about all of the things that you're working on is that you're someone that has drive. And I think that's kind of rare nowadays because there's so much that's available to like for a designer that wants to start out. Now you've got classes, you've got LinkedIn, you've got YouTube, you have so much stuff that you may not even have the passion to really kind of become a great designer unless you really have that drive. And it sounds like you're someone that has just always had that motivation to strive and do more and be better. And I think that's something that we can all really kind of get inspired by. So thank you so much for coming on the show. I appreciate it. Thank you. It was all my my pleasure. I was happy to be here and, and add to the series. Thanks a lot. Big, big thanks to Corey Jones. And of course, thanks to you for listening. You can find out more about Corey and his work through the links in the show notes at revisionpath.com. Revision Path is brought to you by Lunch, a multidisciplinary creative studio in Atlanta, Georgia. This podcast is created, hosted, and produced by me, Maurice Cherry, with engineering and editing by RJ Basilio. Our intro voiceover is by Music Man Dre, with intro and outro music by Yellow Speaker. Transcripts are provided by Brevity and Wit. This episode of Revision Path is also brought to you by Hover. Building your online brand has never been more important, and that begins with your domain name. Show the online community who you are and what you're passionate about with Hover. With over 400 plus domain extensions to choose from, including all the classics and fun niche extensions, Hover is the only domain provider I use and trust. Go to hover.com forward slash revision path and get 10% off your first purchase. So what did you think of the interview? Better yet, what do you think about the podcast overall? 
Don't be a stranger. Hit us up on social media. We would love to hear from you. We're on Twitter. We're on Instagram. Just search for Revision Path, all one word. Or you can leave us a rating and a review on Apple Podcasts, Amazon Music, or on Spotify. The more people you tell about the show, the bigger we become. And the further we can extend our reach to talk to Black designers, developers, artists, and other digital creatives from all over the world. As always, thank you so much for listening, and we'll see you next time.